where I started to feel like an important sense of community and uh, so fulfilling perhaps what I hadn't even realized was a gap um, was going to the law school um, because they have this program, the Indigenous Blacks and Mi'kmaq Initiative. It's an access initiative. You go through the same law program that everybody else does, but it's it's about giving access. It creates a critical mass, right, of, of people there. So you do go in with a community and there was like a pre-law program and so you get to meet the 11 other people who are going in there with you. So when you show up um, to law school on your first day, you know, you already have a built-in community with the students who are also in the initiative. And then there's the ones in the upper years. And so there's always sort of a sense of solidarity that is built up with that. And then you get to meet some of the alumni because the program has a big list of alumni. And I can't overemphasize how important I think uh, that is in terms of for students who come from communities where they may not have had, you know, lawyers in their family and other people. Like, just that creation of a sense of community and support is so important and key. And I think it should be emulated all over the place, not just in law schools, but in in all kinds of, uh, of places. Welcome to this new episode of Papa PhD. Today, I have the great pleasure of having with me Naomi Metallic. Naomi is from the Listuguj Mi'kmaq First Nation, located within the Gaspegewagi district of Mi'kma'ki on the Gaspe coast of Quebec. She holds a BA and an LLB from Dalhousie, a civil law degree from the University of Ottawa, a Master's of Law from Osgood, and is currently pursuing her PhD through the University of Alberta. As of June 2016, she is full-time faculty at the Schulich School of Law at Dalhousie University and holds the Chancellor's Chair in Aboriginal Law and Policy. As a legal scholar, she is most interested in writing about how the law can be harnessed to promote the well-being of Indigenous peoples in Canada and conveying this information in accessible ways. Naomi also continues to practice law with Birchell's LLP in Halifax, where she was associate lawyer before joining the law school. As a member of the firm's Aboriginal Law Practice Group, she has appeared before the courts of Nova Scotia, New Brunswick, and the federal courts in a number of high-profile cases involving First Nations clients. Naomi has been named to the Named to Best Lawyer in Canada list in Aboriginal law since 2015. Welcome to Papa PhD, Naomi. I'm super, super happy to have you here today. Thank you for your time. Thank you so much for having me. So, uh, Naomi, uh, you know, I, I've uh, looked a little bit, uh, uh, you know, on YouTube because there's there's uh, some uh, pieces there uh, about your your story. I've kind of resumed it fairly quickly here, um, but uh, for those who are uh, listening or who are watching, can you just Tell one or two things about what drives you, what drives Naomi Metallic to do what she does. And maybe later we can talk about what drove her to come where she is today. Okay. Uh, that's a great question. <laughs> uh, what uh, drives me? Well, that's, um, I, I guess, you know, at this point in my life, it is, uh, you know, seeking, um, uh, justice uh for in indigenous peoples um also working towards them uh revitalizing um and rediscovering their indigenous laws and governance systems um 
And um, yeah, I, I think, um, you know, justice and equity, uh, some of the matters that I've worked on that have led me to a career in academia were cases that demonstrated to me uh, the extent of ongoing discrimination that still exists within mm -hmm. Canadian law in a variety of different ways. Um, and so making people aware of those ongoing challenges and that our problems in Canada are not simply uh you know, based in the past, um, but seeing the ongoing issues and, and um, yeah, and, and mobilizing people to, to make change. So uh, that's a big part of what drives me. Mm -hmm. And uh, so knowing, knowing, uh, you know, having looked at, at how you came to become a lawyer, one thing I, I didn't find, or at least I'd like you to, to talk a little bit about is Thinking of Naomi, who was, um, you know, uh, at the Gespegewagi district uh, before law school, is uh, okay. if if you can kind of recount or 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 rethink about that time before and about thinking of leaving where you lived, and and mm -hmm. what what brought you at that time to think, oh, I want to go study, I want to go become a lawyer, and. What was that first inkling of, I want to leave here where I grew up and live, and I want yeah. to go study that? Right. So, yeah, no, great questions. Um, so, uh, to get at your first question, no, law was never really uh, a foregoing consideration okay. uh, until third year of my undergraduate degree. But university was always a, an aspiration. Um, so I'll tell a, a bit about my family. Mm -hmm. um, so my, uh, my, my father, who is um, now passed away, but his name was uh, Emmanuel Metallic, Emmanuel Naguguess Metallic, which means Sun Owl. Um, he uh, was a Mi'kmaq historian and a linguist. And in fact, he okay. wrote a dictionary in the Mi'kmaq language. Um, and And um, I only found this out after he passed away, but he had at one point interest in, in law as well. But it, but mm -hmm. his, his career path was very much uh, in, in the language. Um, um, but uh, yeah, so dad um, taught, he wrote, um, and so he was always, and, and had uh, gone to post-secondary as well. So, and my mother is, is French-Canadian. She's from La Rédemption, Quebec. That's okay. where, uh, um, you know, I, <laughs> that's how, how come I speak French. But mm -hmm. so my mom, um, and dad met in Campbellton, New Brunswick when she was going to nursing college, uh, there. And so, um, at various points, they were, um, in, in university or colleges, um, and, um, And so uh, it was always, and I think this is not always the case, but um, it was my dad and my mom too made a real emphasis of how important higher education was, mm -hmm. right? And and so there was an, always an expectation that we, there's three three of us, three girls would go to university. And we all did go to university. Okay. Um, and uh, myself and one of my other sisters have multiple degrees. <laughs> we, we really enjoy that. Um, and so, uh, yeah, so so um, our dad, uh, you know, uh, um, really, I think, I emphasized uh, the importance of higher education. And um, I did well in, in high school. Um, I think I graduated third of my, my okay. graduating class at the time. And um, where I excelled uh, the most or where I was most interested was actually um, 
English literature okay. <laughs> of all things. And, um, and, and so when I, so I, uh, so a couple of things. So my sisters have gone to UNB. And, uh, I think being the youngest, perhaps, and just a, I, um, I had a somewhat of a desire, uh, actually to, you know, kind of break out on my own, right? And I mm-hmm. wanted to go further than my sisters had. So I went to the, <laughs> the big city of Halifax, at least from, from where I was, from my vantage point. Mm-hmm. So, um, I applied to Dalhousie and, and got in and I, and I had an English, uh, I, I applied. I was, I had been thinking about journalism or getting a degree in English. I, I looked at the program at the university of King's College at Dalhousie. Well, it's associated with Dalhousie, but they have a journalism program. Okay. Um, but I ended up going into uh, getting an English degree. Um, and it was it was good, but actually it kind of turned out that I wasn't... I, realized I wasn't as interested in it as, as uh, perhaps I had initially, but uh, at the same time was taking other undergraduate courses in philosophy, which okay. really interested me, particularly those in like ethics and philosophy of law, um, sort of thinking about concepts in abstract ways, particularly around justice, and had also taken history courses where... Um, you know, despite growing up in a First Nations community and having a dad that did some work in this area, mm-hmm. still like my high school education, which was in New Brunswick, even though I grew up on the Quebec side, we got bus to school oh, wow. um, okay. in New Brunswick. And um, we, uh, you know, the, the, the focus on history, at least at that time, there was virtually very little taught about uh, Canada's history with Indigenous people. So mm-hmm. I took courses in university and I found myself just, you know, taking out a bunch of books from the library. Like one of the ones that had like the biggest impact on me was, um, uh, um, what's, I'm forgetting his first name, but um, it's over there on my bookshelf, mm-hmm. Cardinal, The Unjust Society. But then also read some books by Malloy, like I think one, um, John Malloy, I think it was called Skyscrapers Touch the Sky, but it was about residential schools. So my history degree, I think, or no, my history courses really sort of started to open my eyes to Canada's treatment of Indigenous peoples. Mm-hmm. And I think paired with the um, the stuff I was doing in philosophy piqued my interest. And then as an Indigenous student, I would go hang out at this uh, center they had uh, on the on the campus for Indigenous students, and um, they have an advisor an advisor there, and and people would come hang out. And there was another professor who was just completing her master's degree in law, and um, was the director of the Indigenous Blacks and Mi'kmaq Initiative at um, the law school which was created out of the Donald Marshall Commission, a response to that by the university, mm-hmm. um, which creates spots for Indigenous and Black students in law school. Anyway, she kind of put the, the bug in my ear about this, and I hadn't really considered it. And I didn't even really, like, I, I there was no role models in law around me growing up. Um, no one in my family was a lawyer, and I didn't really have much of a, an idea about it, but I, it was kind of interesting, and so I, I, I did apply to uh, to go to that school, and that's, uh, and I guess the rest is history, yeah. <laughs> or I could talk more about that, but uh, um, yeah. No, it's interesting, and it, it does kind of fuse these different interests that it seems that you kind of grew, uh, that they kind of grew while you were in university, so of course the the English but then the history, the philosophy, and it feels like law kind of encapsulates all of that in a certain way. Um, Absolutely. Uh, so very, very interesting. So, so having this uh, this uh, initiative 
this inclusion uh, initiative uh, then helped for sure in a way. Uh, but I was it's funny because I was going to ask you something and you answered, uh, which is I was going to ask about role models uh mm-hmm. growing up as a as a scholar and it's interesting that your your dad was kind of a scholar in his own way uh mm-hmm. himself and and you and clearly your sisters like to con that <laughs> that uh, that gene <laughs> and, took, and took it forward um but uh but it, it's interesting it it makes me think about context and about you know the nature nurture uh you know, the inspiration from from your dad might have been an important thing uh but going back to university and um the thing i wanted to maybe go through is you didn't have growing up uh, role models around you of of people who were uh, who were from uh, you know indigenous peoples and were lawyers were in law but hmm. was it the same in university too so when you got into first when you got into university did you feel uh, at all that you you had people uh, with with who, with whom you had commonalities in terms of coming from indigenous peoples in university even in your undergrad but then were there people you could start looking up to and say okay that's what a, a journey a career journey in this domain looks like from my standpoint of coming from from where I do come from yeah so um so yeah i i i would say i felt largely supportive there was a sort of a moment i thought in 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 my english degree that i was like mm, this is not this is not sort of in terms of the the content of it and you know a lot of the canon that was being focused on was primarily you know european english canadian uh and and there was a few moments where i think i was reading something by margaret atwood and she said something in a poem or something like we are all immigrants here and i thought well actually no <laughs> <laughs> yeah some some do not consider themselves immigrants here so i had um you know some i think sometimes uh, yeah and and that's why sort of i gravitated to some of the other courses that i thought were uh fulfilling more of a sense of you know uh around indigenous issues but uh, this was sort of an ex- a self exploration too like it kind of as you kind of go on you realize what you don't know and then start learning about the things to fill those gaps and mm-hmm. so that was uh interesting um but i did go to quite frequently the indigenous student center and so i got to meet other students who were in programs and okay. um the the lady that i mentioned her name is patty doyle bedwell she's still a professor at dalhousie um so she was uh, a a role model for me and was the one who had encouraged me okay. um and so you know about this question about uh so so I didn't feel perhaps I I felt okay I guess in 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 undergrad I didn't have there wasn't a ton I don't I don't recall there being any other indigenous students in the English program so it wasn't it wasn't I didn't sense like um like a huge sense of community mm-hmm. fr- from that but I was getting it from going to the center um but I had you know I had you know other uh, friends as well but um uh who were not just indigenous but mm-hmm. you know uh where i started to feel like an important sense of community and uh so fulfilling perhaps what i hadn't even realized was a gap um was going to the law school um because they have this program and i think it's um the indigenous blacks and mi'kmaq initiative it's not a it's i call it a program it's an initiative it's an access initiative mm-hmm. it's you go through the same law program that everybody else does, but it's it's about giving access. And one of the things that I think, and I've written a little bit about this, um, why I think the program is 
the initiative is so important, it's kind of it, that it creates a critical mass, mm-hmm. right, of, of people there. So you do go in with a community and there was like a pre-law program. And so you get to meet the 11 other people who are going in there with you. So when you show up um, to law school on your first day, you know, you already have a built, built-in community with the students who are also in the initiative. And then there's the ones in the upper years. And so there's always sort of a sense of solidarity that is built up with that. And then you get to meet some of the alumni because the program has um, well by that time it had been in place for about 20 years and now okay. it's been in place for over 30 years and so there's a, a big list of alumni and um, I can't overemphasize how important I think uh, that is in terms of for students who come from you know communities where they may not have had like you know lawyers in their family and other people like just that creation of a sense of community and support is so important and key. And I think it should be emulated all over the place, not just in law schools, but in, in all kinds of, uh, of places. And, and, and there's even more work that we could be doing, I think, as, you know, we, we talk about this, about getting the word out there that, you know, this program is available and, and provides supports and, and is there for, um, students. Um, I mean, it's not too bad in terms of, you know, recruitment, but I think we could even be doing more. But I, yeah, can't overemphasize how important mm-hmm. I think access uh, initiatives like this are. Yeah, I uh, yeah, they call it the uh, IBNM initiative uh, on, on the site. And it's true that I, I found it inspiring. And I was going to ask you, but maybe you don't have the answer, is whether you knew whether it exists in other places, uh, if things like this exist in other universities. Because it is, it is inspiring and, you know, we hear talk you talk about safe spaces and and mm-hmm. uh, and for sure having a cohort of people who who come in with you that's already a first safe space and then you yeah. mentioned it all like then the next the the higher years it's a, it's a, an expanded safe space and then the alumni who can even with whom you can even have conversations of okay after your degree what happened where did you go how did you navigate it's a, a rich rich uh, resource and very very helpful for sure uh, and I and I do wish that that uh, that it exists somewhere else, so that, uh, that it's emulated. And I think it started in '89. So there's, I hope there's been time for for other universities to catch on. <laughs> so last I looked, uh, University of British Columbia has something for uh, at their law school. I think for between ten and fifteen Indigenous students. Okay, and um, I'm kind of I think. Maybe U of T potentially. There's been a few others, but none. It hasn't caught on the same, like to the same extent with other places. There's a few. I think. I think there's maybe one or two schools that you know will 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 save a seat for an Indigenous student. I think there's like an agreement between Newfoundland and I forget which university, but it hasn't caught on in a really significant way, which was it, which is unfortunate because it really has. Like there's 250 alumni or more than that now from from the program. We mm-hmm. get together, um, we support each other in in our careers and all that. But yeah. we've also just had a huge impact on on Nova Scotia and beyond um but i think you know the the amount of people who have you know um been in positions of power within the nova scotia justice system and and beyond that um who are alumni of the program is just 
amazing and really make a difference. I, I have an Anishinaabe friend from uh, Ontario and, and she says, I love just going out east. I call it the land of lawyers. There's just all these indigenous <laughs> lawyers out there. It's true. There's a lot of us, but it is, it's, it is fantastic for, I mean, so many reasons. I can't even list them all, but um, in some of this work that I'm even starting to do now on indigenous law revitalization, to be able to draw on a bunch of alumni who would be interested in doing that is mm -hmm. also, I think, super significant. So, um, yeah, um, not a lot of other programs like that, but there, there, there ought to be. Let's hope that with all the talk and and action, you know, in in diversity, equity, inclusion, that's that's uh, that's that I hear every day today that things like this will uh, will will be in people's minds and that uh, yeah. projects like this uh, happen more and more. I think our medical school just started a cohort. So the Dalhousie Medical School just started that, but it should be happening all over the place. It's so important. It is. It is. Because, because otherwise students are so alone, right? Um, and and uh, don't have those supports. And that can make all the difference, especially when you're coming from communities that, you know, um, you know, where there may not be a history in the family or the community of going to university. And also there's just massive culture shock that can also come with that for, for some people. No, and and I feel that somehow you you know you you, you were blessed to uh, to have the, this model of your father and and also your mom who were really um, adamant as as to education is important, but yeah. for people who maybe in their context their day to day context this doesn't happen having someone who maybe no who they can look up to and say oh okay this person looks like me comes from where I come from and is doing this. They can they can visualize themselves. They can project themselves into the future in these these positions. And like we're talking about being a doctor, we're talking uh, about being a lawyer, which are you know high prestige, but can also be daunting in a way if you if you if you don't have these people around you. Uh, yeah, I wonder uh, I wonder whether you you and and these programs also have kind of out, outreach programs to to uh, you know geared towards young people. But uh, I think again the. Um, the value of something like this is so so huge, so great, and uh, I really commend the the, the 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 law program for having for having that and and you know for people who are listening and who are maybe thinking and I'm thinking of young people but young women coming from indigenous communities to look at you for example and and say okay I can become a lawyer I can you if I recall well you were a clerk right at uh, the the supreme uh, the supreme court. And you know, you know, I have people who are who are in law around me, and I know <laughs> it's a big thing, right? And I think one of the things I, I want to do with the, this podcast, Papa PhD, is, and it's in another context a little bit, but but it's kind of the same thing. Is one of the best ways to inspire people is showing the story of someone who resembles you, and this is why I'm super happy to have you here today, and I, and it's why I think. Um, having these these initiatives to uh, just give access uh, and to create community, it, it's it's huge. It's it's a very positive thing. Yes, yeah. So now I am starting to hear students who are like, "We come to Dalhousie because you know you're here." And now we have a couple of other faculty members who are Mi'kmaq as well, and so um, we're starting to hear that as well. And it's 
you know, representation is super important. We're also doing work to try to also make sure that the content of the, you know, what's taught at the law school reflects Indigenous peoples and is responsive to the truth and reconciliation calls to action, Mm -hmm. uh, specifically on law school education. Um, So, but yeah, so, but representation is a huge part of it. So, Mm -hmm. uh, yeah. Yeah, and well, you, you just mentioned reconciliation, and and it it's one of the things that 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 you know paths to reconciliation. So, and and I do think initiatives like this is, are part of those paths. But now you mentioned something else that that you're focusing on, which is uh, reviving, and in your domain, of course, reviving uh, First Nations uh, and 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 Indigenous peoples' law. And I want to kind of stretch the concept a little bit more. Mm-hmm. And um, and given you know your experience, given you being in this academic community where there is representation, where curricula are being changed to to be reflective of the people who are coming in as students, I don't know if if you could um, extrapolate this experience of you know being in law school and and making things change there. And now you're talking about how medicine also is creating a cohort. I wonder if we can have kind of a, an exercise of maybe utopia, let's say, <laughs> of 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 what things can look like if we really reconciliate, and if if the the if there's more place, not just for individuals coming into university, but for culture from here, from this land, coming into university. Also, I don't know if it's a bit too uh, <laughs> poetic, but uh, I don't know if you have a comment on, on on this. And maybe just just uh, staying in your domain if you want, because I, I know you've, you're working on this. Yeah, I mean, I can speak to the, the, the broader aspect of that, which is, you know, sometimes people use the word like indigenization, um, um, indigenous hmm. research methods, but there's, you know, more and more people who are coming into the academy who are, uh, indigenous and and working to bring uh, the voices of their communities, uh, their their worldview and perspective, and, and so um, I think there's a lot more work. I mean, so at Dalhousie, for example, we now um, we we have a group of just all the faculty and staff when we come together monthly to just uh, chat about stuff. We also sometimes get sort of consulted by the university about some some uh, matters that are happening around Indigenous issues to seek our advice. But, you know, I remember when this group started getting going, it was before I joined the university, but it was maybe like five people on it. And now there's over 30 okay. people, 30 oh, wow. people. And we have, you know, uh, over, you know, a dozen faculty members at a variety of different faculties who I think are all trying to, to make important changes to do this. And, you know, it, it takes different forms depending on what people are doing in the domain that they're in. But um, there's some excellent uh, work uh, that everyone is doing. Um, I'll speak sort of more specifically to some of the stuff that I've been trying to do um, mm-hmm. since coming to the university. Uh, so I got here in 2016, and that was the year after the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's calls to action and final report. Um, And um, the school had had Indigenous professors before, but it had been like a 10-year hiatus since the last Indigenous professor taught. I taught a little bit part-time when I was in in practice full-time, but... um, 
but yeah, they hadn't had anyone full-time uh, faculty for oh, quite a while. And I think one of the first things that I was invited to was a professional development day for the faculty about, um, you know, responding to the Truth and Reconciliation Commission's calls to actions. And they had brought in John Burroughs to kind of speak about the transformative work that can be happening at law schools. And he was talking about, you know, his writing on this, but also the sort of things that they had been doing at the University of Victoria. And they're just mm -hmm. doing some amazing things there. You may have heard this, but they created a... Um, a joint degree program um, called, um, uh, well, it's the, the joint uh, common law and an, a degree in an indigenous uh, legal order. Um, okay. So, and their first cohort just graduated. It's like a four-year program and they started in 2018. So there are students who now have this joint degree and it's, it's pretty amazing. And um, the approach that they teach law from at UVic is pretty amazing too. It's a little bit like, so McGill talks about taking what's called a transsystemic approach to teaching law. Mm -hmm. So they teach both common law and civil law at McGill. And the way that so transsystemic is sort of teaching about, you know, uh, different legal orders sort of equally at the same time and not just sort of as comparative um, okay. and maybe an approach that that kind of like looks at law from a broader perspective of a sort of how how we order and structure relationships and sort of uh, looking um, it, it's an approach I think that is, is, is meant to sort of respect all the, the, the legal order sort of equally and, and sort of seeing how law is sort of an ordering of relationship. It's, it's kind of hard mm -hmm. to get into There's some good articles about what transsystemic learning is. And this program at UVic, uh, also tries to take a transsystemic approach to teaching, uh, Canadian English common law. Uh, as well as indigenous legal orders, so that's really mm. cool, right? And and bringing sort of really interesting perspectives. Most other law schools are are not there yet, and Dalhousie is not there yet. But mm -hmm. um, you know, certain certainly something to um, aspire to. So I'll I'll talk a bit about what we've what we have done. Um, it feels like we've done a lot of work. I'm just about to go on sabbatical, and it's sort of looking back <laughs> on my six years and. Um, so, you know, we they, we formed a Truth and Reconciliation Committee, and uh, mm -hmm. I've effectively been chair of it <laughs> since since getting here. Um, but uh, the first thing we sort of, a lot of our focus has been on curricular reform. And mm -hmm. uh, anyone, in, you know, everyone who's on listening is probably in, at a faculty, you know that this can be challenging within your faculty, sometimes the big transformative stuff. But we were able to move the needle uh, by introducing a, uh, a mandatory course in first year. And what we ended up with was two intensive programs um, that go over first semester and then second semester, as opposed to uh, teaching, you know, uh, all year on this. And, and it was the, the rationale or reasoning and debating. I think it, it's sort of, it's an issue that each school will have to figure out based on sort of resourcing issues were sort of part of it. You know, mm -hmm. can, you know, is it possible to have some, I, I didn't necessarily want to be the one person, you know, teaching all of this stuff full time to, to first year students. There's almost, a, there's a cultural safety issue that is a part of this as well too. And there's an article that just recently came out by um, a faculty member who's indigenous at uh, mm -hmm. University of Saskatchewan. Her name's Jamie Lavallee. And um, she kind of got, 
pigeonholed by her university, and she writes about it quite candidly to teach in Saskatchewan to Indigenous or to all students about reconciliation and the Crown historical relationship. And um, she mm. experienced a lot of, I'll say, uh, um, pushback and, and uh, actually, I think it almost over to the point of thinking of quitting. Oh she had a, a negative, a very negative experience with it. And, uh, and, and most of it got put on her shoulders. So there can be, you know, the opposite sort of, we've had a fairly good experience. And I think there's a bunch of different sort of reasons why that happened. Um, and I can get into it a little bit more if you'd like, or you might have some follow-up questions. I have other questions that I'll keep for, for after, but, uh, I'm just thinking, uh, you know, we're talking about law, but just yesterday I was talking about someone, single mom, First Nations, I think, ecology field researcher, and she tries to bring to, and I, I see, he, we didn't go into details, but she tries to bring knowledge from her community in ecology mm-hmm. and kind of connect it with her, uh, like very classic, uh, you know, university research type, uh, uh, you know, Western uh, research. And I found it really interesting. Uh, and 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 uh, I think uh, and that's a personal thing that she's doing. But here, you what you're talking about is really changing things in university and the curriculum, and it's another <laughs> it's another ball game. But yeah, sure. Like uh, if you'd share uh, les bons coups, comme on dit yeah. en français, the the things that worked <laughs> and that really that really um, helped things stick. Because I think that that's the, yeah, that's probably a challenge, and and also avoiding these um, mm. traps of of getting pigeonholed and also of getting li- like pushback, like you said. Yeah. So I think one of the things that, that I mean, I am from this area, right? And I went to that school. So I, a lot of the people that I was joining as a colleague had actually been some of my teachers, but we all had good relationships. So I kind of went in, like, I would I would find it hard if I was to go to another part of the country, and I also came with this, you know. 10 years of working with indigenous communities in in the region. So I have uh, relationships and connections, all of which mm-hmm. I can kind of draw on. So those were really useful in, in you know, building that. And, I, you know, it, it would be really daunting to go to another part of the country. Let's say if I was, you know, hired in Alberta to teach yeah. without knowing anyone there, but having those relationships, it was able to draw on that. And what was wonderful is that, there were a couple of senior um, professors who had been at the law school for a while came on board and did this work with me. And in fact, uh, you know, um, did it in such a way that, uh, um, you know, they did the things that they were very, like, there's a lot of work that has to be done. There's also some, you know, uh, uh, small p political stuff that kind of has to be sort of worked out when you're moving okay. things in curriculum stuff and all of that. <laughs> and, you know, uh, but also administrative stuff. And so, so they sometimes took those things on and, um, you know, they're like, we'll leave the content to you or we're certainly okay. happy to work with you on the content, but we're going to, to take those parts of the challenge and help uh, you with that. So that I felt, okay, okay. I've, I've felt very supported and my Dean has been also very supportive of this work. So, um, I, I and generally I have felt that my my faculty, um, you know, we uh, not just the the ones that have been on my committee that were really helping move this work forward with me, um, but my faculty in general was fairly supportive. Um, 
So, I mean, those are, you know, really helpful things and that there was a committee. It wasn't seen as simply just being sort of my thing. <laughs> People mm -hmm. took, you know, stepped up and saw it as a law school responsibility or an institutional responsibility, which I think is really uh, key. And because at that point I was the only faculty member who like, well, there was a, some other people who had substantive knowledge in the, in, you know, the areas of law that affected Indigenous peoples. Um, we kind of came up with a model that did not require necessarily uh, the teaching element of somebody, you know, being in front of a class of 60 people and just sort of talking about the ta talking, mm -hmm. teaching them that way. Like pedagogically, we've designed it in sort of different approaches and we, we've we've played with some models and then we pivot and try and where we're at right now, we actually quite like how it's worked. I mean, and there's only, there's only so much that you can kind of do. And we, like I say, we did an intensive and um, mm -hmm. there, you know, I think what we're getting for in, in sort of the intensive course that we have, it's not the be all and the end all, but we see, we see it as like one part of what they're going to get out of law school. Right. Mm -hmm. And that there are other places along the way that um, they can get more information in their other courses. Uh, and so we sort of said, yes, there will be, there will be specific courses, but we also want other people to reflect this because um, the way that the law impacts on indigenous people, Canadian law uh, in, mm -hmm. in a whole variety of different areas from criminal law to public law to constitutional law to um, private law like contracts and tort like all mm -hmm, kinds of mm -hmm, ways mm -hmm. that the law applies and, and is important in this context to learn about um, so, uh, so we uh, also put an emphasis on supporting our colleagues um, to incorporate more into their materials uh, okay. to teach this and one of the uh, this is so easy and it's such a good fix uh, like like a, a practice if people want um, to uh, adopt is we hire an R we hire an RA every summer and I send out an email at the beginning of the summer and I tell all my colleagues that this RA is available for any of them who want them to get the RA to do research to incorporate more material into their okay. um, into their courses and we supervise the students uh, to, mm. to do that and it's been excellent like so this year, I think I got 12 or 13 requests from different colleagues to, to do this. So it's wonderful. Oh, wow. The uptake has been really good. And then that way, you know, they're getting, they're getting that support and help and uh, it's, it's great. Um, but the, the main course that we developed in the first year program is really, there's so much to teach. Um, and, and really it's just the basics. It, it is almost like this idea of cultural safety, like just giving them enough to actually like, there are still students, and I'm still struck by how much this happens, who know nothing about the history of Indigenous peoples in Canada, or so very little. And by the end of the course, they're also saying that. They, they Actually, some of them have said quite candidly, I just can't believe that we didn't learn about any of this. I can't believe it took me getting to law school to have to know to, this, to, under, to, to learn this. It's it's unbelievable. Um, so, uh, so, yeah, we focus a lot. And for some, it's almost like, oh, I already know this. I had an undergrad in Indigenous studies or something. But, but then okay. there are other students who are like didn't know any of this so what we're trying to get is a sort of a baseline of the knowledge of the history of colonialism his knowledge about in the indigenous peoples in canada and contemporary issues um and then the hope is that we build on that as as they go through the um as they go through their three years in law school mm -hmm. and because i'm there and now we have a couple of other indigenous colleagues uh both also two Mi'kmaq women um mm -hmm. and given we've now have like something like 
seven or eight courses in the upper year. So we've okay. developed a uh, a certificate course, so our certificate, so that students can graduate with a certificate, sort of a you know oh, wow. specialization in Indigenous law or uh, at the end of uh, law school. Um, we introduced that a couple of years ago, and the uptake has been really interesting on that um, too. And so, like last, we had twenty five students graduate. With that, and not just Indigenous students, but a ton of non-Indigenous students uh, have this certificate too. So I think it—I I mean, it's all a matter of sort of experimentation and what is the best way. Like this, the challenge I think one of the biggest challenges of the debate is like, oh well, if it's going to be mandatory, you know, there's pushback from students uh, on, on some of this. But I think some of the way that we've done it is that we. We have some mandatory, and it, I think it kind of creates that interest, and then they, they actually see that this is really interesting, and now we've got so many ways that they can sort of um, take more courses and now get their certificate that I think is mm-hmm. seems to be working. Like there was, I think, somewhere of upwards about 150 students uh, b- between all the upper year courses that were enrolled. So I think that wow. um, it's making a difference, I think. It's funny because I was going to ask you, and, and uh, again, you – You, you answer my questions before I ask them whether there was there was you felt more curiosity uh, to to go learn about uh, indigenous peoples uh, from from uh, people who are not not from uh, from any indigenous community and it seems to, to the answer seems to be yes uh, but it also you also kind of say that a lot of them arrive not knowing anything and it's it's really cool that you kind of quickly bridging that gap of of this kind of invisibility of the culture And, and the heritage of uh, indigenous uh, uh, communities and peoples and the, and to open that door and then open their curiosity and then give them something more if they want to go further. It's really, really cool. Now, just a yeah. question. Are, are any of these courses or these certificates um, available to someone outside uh, Dalhousie? No, currently <laughs> they're not, but there's, um, there's work that we're also doing that um – So University of Ottawa recently, mm. the, the civil law program uh, has created a certificate for Indigenous community members uh, okay. to uh, to learn both about Indigenous legal orders, but also state, you know, state legal orders. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, at the end of it, they have a certificate and the kind of idea is that that might get them into, you know, pursuing then further and it can count towards um, going to the civil law program at, at Ottawa U. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I'm... I'm very interested in developing and looking at sort of um, training model supports for communities and some of the work that we're doing around Indigenous law revitalization. I understand, too, that I think there's a big need. um, And I've talked about this a bit with my dean, but we've not really pursued it much further. But, you know, um, Osgood, uh, Osgood Law School has like certificates for practitioners, Right in, mm-hmm. in in these, uh, you know, so you can go. I mean, people get an LLM, like a professional LLM, but then there's also shorter courses. But I, I, I even think that you know, there's a lot of lawyers who are currently in practice who none of this was available to them when they were in uh, law school, and would uh, appreciate sort of you know getting getting some training in that too. Now, yeah, in this yeah. in this part of their career where they're already yeah. practicing, yeah, yeah. So. Um, <laughs> Uh, it's it's a possibility. <laughs> this is so much to do. That's the only thing, right? It's like where where do where do we uh put our put our efforts? But as I say, we have a lot of alumni from our school, so maybe that will be something in the future that can be developed. I just can't do it all myself. <laughs> no, of course. But the the cool thing is that it's it started. The model seems to be working. 
Anyway, so my my head w went directly to can it be you know can it be scaled up in a way <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> or just opened up oh just opened up to 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 people from from uh, farther away mm -hmm. uh, but you know that was just why I asked the question. Well, now Naomi, we've covered a, a lot of terrain. We're getting to to the end of the interview, and um, you know we've talked about law in particular. Of course, it's it's your domain. It's that's where you've been working and mm -hmm. you've been doing cool things, um, but. I wonder whether we can finish on a note for uh, uh, for young young people who might be still in their community, thinking about university or not. You know, weighing should I? You know, is it for me? Is it not for me? Uh, people who might not have role role models around them to to project. You know, to to kind of be able to project themselves into a future of being a scholar. Uh, and you know, I kind of I've kind of asked you whether there were outreach programs stemming from your programs, uh, but you know, forgetting about that, which is also more work and and and, and might be you know logistics etc. to to set up. If someone who's listening uh, and and uh, and might be considering, okay, should I do a master's or not? Is it for me? Uh, no, no one in my family has one uh, or a PhD. You know, could mm. be. Um, do you have any, based on your personal experience, of course, is yours, but on the experience you've had through these years of, and now of interacting with students, you know, daily, I imagine, and, and thinking of programs for students and, and now also knowing all this network of alumni, you know, do you have any words of inspiration or maybe for someone who's, uh, who's thinking, how can I make my school more, more inclusive? How can I make, you know, People coming from all parts, but but specifically from uh, indigenous communities, feel safe, feel at home in, in my program in my university. I know I'm asking a lot, and and I'm maybe asking two questions in one, but uh, I want to give glad you kind you of. That. <laughs> but I also I'm uh, because I want to give you options of of you can go more personal or or more institutional. But I, I I'd really love to. To leave some uh, some threads for for people to follow or some inspiration to okay. to take action. Well, let me let me talk about the the student one to to start with. I mean, it is it is challenging uh, for our students. You know, particularly some. I mean, I had a I was very lucky to have a lot of encouragement, and mm. um, but you know, I I know that's not always the case, and and our communities have had such a negative experience with formal education, particularly, I mean, residential schools, day schools. And uh, I mean, you know, there was a period where the law actually made you lose your Indian status if you got a university degree. That was the state of the law from 1876 to 1951 in Canada. So oh it's just gosh. absurd, <laughs> like the barriers that have created. And so it's not surprising that, uh, you know, there's distrust, perhaps fear about going to university. Um, and, you know, those are legit things. And these are still very, you know, very Western thinking sort of institutions. I guess the, the bright side it is, I, I think that, you know, the, the number of Indigenous folks that are at these institutions is growing, I would say, almost exponentially these days. Like I said, when I was, you know, uh, I'd say 2014, 15, there was five uh, staff and faculty at my institution. And now there's upwards of 30. You know, mm -hmm. um, the TRC Commission report, I think, also sort of put a fire under a lot of institutions to sort of do more and do better. Mm -hmm. 
they do, but they also make mistakes and fall down. And sometimes it's more checkbox than, than actual meaningful, wanting to do it meaningfully. Or maybe people don't know how to do it meaningfully or don't understand that yet. So there's, it's not perfect, right? And there, um, but I think the, the sort of point of inspiration for, I think, future students is that, you know, we are there and mm-hmm. there's starting to be more of us. And, and I think we're there to support you as well. I mean, that's a, it's a huge, important role. I, you know, I, I see my, I call, I tell this, you know, I, I refer to myself as the law school auntie, but like to my indigenous students, I, I, I know how to get a hold of them all on Messenger and Facebook and I'll contact them if I'm worried about them and stuff like that. So, I mean, uh, and, I, and I think the other, you know, there's faculty who do that for other students as well. So mm-hmm. I, I think in, there are supports and I think there's certain schools that are really recognizing that that is it's about making the um, institution um, more uh, welcoming uh, and accommodating and supportive. And there's still lots of work to be done. We also have an EDI committee, which I sit on, which I'm not the chair of, but that's important too. And that that actually came out of a motion over Black Lives Matter at our school a mm-hmm. couple of years ago. But there's some important work that we've been doing to improve um, policies at the school and, and other things. So there's work that's happening. Um, and uh, I mean, it is it is rewarding. And there are ways that, you know, these institutions are changing or we are changing them, uh, you know, to better support our people. And I think that um more we're going to see more of this and i and i think bending and challenging sort of established norms that exist in the in the university setting i think there's even more pushing that we can do to recognize things like uh elders and knowledge keepers and do more work with the communities definitely that's Mm -hmm. something that's driving me i didn't get to talk about it a ton but i am working on a big project which would be essentially supporting communities um in this sort of law revitalization in, in a sort of a fairly big, hopefully helpful way for groups in the yeah. region. Okay. That was sort of the student question, uh, which is, yeah, give it a shot. <laughs> you know, it's not yeah. going to be perfect. I'm not guaranteeing it'll be perfect, but it's uh, give it a shot. And if this conversation inspires you, I, I know I, I've shared the, your Twitter account down here. Yeah. Email. Uh, at Naomi.Metallic, but email, are you yeah. active on LinkedIn? Uh, I'm on LinkedIn, but I'm not as active in checking it as perhaps I should be. But yes, uh, but if you do send me an email, you will certainly hear from me. Perfect. Then they can find your email on on the university website for sure. Excellent. And so, and the other question from the institution side, if you're, you're in position of being, I know, head of a program or, Mm -hmm. or maybe spearheading something at your university, you know, uh, and, but you're feeling either alone or, you know, you don't find inspiration around you, or you don't know where to start to to start something like the uh, the uh, uh, IBNM uh, program. Uh, apart from again reaching out to you, and I'm I'm sending a lot of people to your email inbox. <laughs> but apart from that, uh, are there like is there like one one or two main messages of okay, start here, you can do it, and uh, it's not as complicated as you think. <laughs> Well, there's starting to be like some writing and people who have been involved in this. So there's a, you know, I mean, our, us, it's 30 years in the making and there's been people mm-hmm. who have been involved in it. So there's people that you can speak to. There's been lots of reports around uh, the initiative and how it's worked. Um, and I think there's, there's starting to be, I think, more scholarship about sort of around these issues that is is one place to start. Um 
You know, uh, I, I don't think the answer is, again, uh, you know, simply hire an indigenous person and they will solve <laughs> the problems for you. <laughs> Magically, right? no. No, that doesn't really work. I mean, uh, um, I think that, you know, for me, a major part of it was that level of support. So, there, I mean, if you're there, there, you probably have colleagues who are also interested in that. I think, you know, representation does matter, but it's also it's an institutional commitment. Um, mm -hmm. so, you know, it, it, it's thinking that through and thinking about the sort of supports that, um, if you are going to bring somebody in who perhaps will be, play a major role in this, what are the sort of supports, um, that they, that they might need and, and who, you know, people who can also work with them to help them, I think is, uh, really important. And there's, um, I've seen at least two, I think, different master's uh, thesis now that have looked at sort of different schools' approaches to reconciliation. So there's there's mm -hmm. some writing and thinking and, and, and analysis around this as well um, that people can uh, read. So I think mm -hmm. those are some of the ideas and maybe be reaching out to other people and other institutions to have talks about how they did it, what worked, what didn't, what are the, mm -hmm. you know, the pitfalls. I mean, the, the if I... I'll emphasize it again. You know, it's not just putting it on one person's back. It is an institutional commitment and it's sort of trying to figure out who among the allies, how do you do this work and move it in ways that work for your institution and mm -hmm. also working with communities on this. I mean, I sort of came with this sort of network and, and we met with the uh, alumni and, and community in this. But, you know, I mean, there's this saying that, you know, some people um, th that said, and we say it as the Indigenous uh, faculty at the university, but nothing about us without us. But like, mm. obviously, if you're thinking about doing this, there's sort of reaching out to your to your local indigenous communities to see what are the the needs as well, um, and, and having conversations perhaps with the leadership of the community or even alumni who have gone to your school about what are the what what are the things that need to be done. So, mm -hmm. um, you know, because some people could sometimes have really wonderful intentions to do things to help indigenous people, but may not really understand what are the challenges and issues. So I would be mm -hmm. remiss if I didn't emphasize that as well. Of course, the risk at the risk of being out of phase with the actual yeah. needs uh, of the communities. Perfect. Well, you know, Naomi, this is a great, I think, end to the conversation. But I will ask you, so for people who have just heard what Naomi, Naomi shared, uh, to share some of these of some links with me of, of interesting, uh, re you know, reading about this. Yes. Maybe those master's thesis that you mentioned, and I will mm -hmm. add them in the notes, uh, okay. in the notes and, and comments of the episode because I think uh, for sure, uh, you know, people will be interested, and and it's a, a great starting point to reflect on these things. So. Naomi, uh, this was great. Uh, I was, I was, I'm super, super happy uh, that that you, uh, you know, had the time uh, on this, uh, on this Saint Jean <laughs> to be uh, <laughs> to be with me uh, here at, at the microphone of, of the Papa PhD podcast. Uh, I, I wish you all the best for for the projects that are ongoing. Also, uh, you know, all the best for your sabbatical. That you for sure, <laughs> Thank that you, you for sure deserve. <laughs> uh, I'm writing and a PhD while I'm doing it. <laughs> there, well, that's it. You take a break on something, and then you work on the other. Yeah, and going to the Supreme Court of Canada on a matter. <laughs> oh my gosh! Okay, well, but uh, but a good break from those academic uh, there you academic, go uh, duties. Yeah, and then uh, and then well, you know, have a, a, a good time writing your thesis for sure, and then doing doing your uh, your other work, which I think is very important. And uh, 
and um, yeah, I'm I'm super super happy. I feel blessed for having had you here today, uh, talking about this from your standpoint, which I think is interesting. Number one, and I really appreciate all the reflection and, and years of, of thinking about this and working around uh, around the theme that you've had, and I think it showed. Uh, so, Merci beaucoup. Thank you so much. <laughs> Merci à toi. <laughs> well, Alex.